I'm a Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, Johnny Applebottom. <laughs> Gearbuds 2002, gonna be Gearbuds 202, gonna be Gearbuds 202. Gearbuds, dude. I really, I'm glad it was a ripoff. It was a cover, but I thought it was like a. They made who cares? A cool remix, you know. It was a remix of the remix. Gearbuds podcast episode 202. We're in a palindrome. We're banged up right now. We love a palindrome. We're banged up a little bit. My name's Henry. His name's Dave. Hi. This is our show. I've got some ear stuff. Dave's got some lung stuff. We'll We're gonna make it, it through, we'll man. We're doing it, it for you guys. We're gonna make it through. This we'll see. We'll see how we feel. This may or may not be slightly truncated in length, depending on how it goes. We'll find out. Let's dive in. My Symphony Dave's docs is gonna be like forty-five minutes long. I just want you to know. No, it's not because I watched the same one that you did, and I know that there, it could not no, be. No, did you? Wait. Okay. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I watched both. Oh, both? Yeah. Whoa. Two okay. things that we talked about this week. Sick. Yep. Symphony time and your weekly reminder, cables are tone tubes. Yes, they are. And your weekly thanks for listening to this dang old show. Follow us on the stuff. Subscribe on the stuff. Email us at the stuff at gearbudspodcast at gmail.com if you want to, I don't know, if you want to just say hi. Or not. That's okay. We know. I, I don't talk to people that make podcasts that I listen to. I just listen to them. Shout out to PTD uh, for inviting us over for the uh, filming. I hope it went well on Saturday. Oh, I wanted to go to that so badly. I did too. I'm sick. Uh, I shouldn't even be here right now. You are banged up. You got an ear thing. So, man, yeah, I hope it went well. Uh, I can't. Yeah. I don't, I'm kind of. I'd rather not get into it. Maybe we'll talk about it as soon as it's resolved, but I've got an ear thing. So I couldn't really go listen to a music thing. Got to kind of just hang out at home for a while. But if you don't have to hang out at home and you want to play some freaking amps, why don't you go buy some of mine that are in the freaking GearBuds shop on Reverb? Dude, when are you going to drop those prices a little bit? Huh? I, You know, I might have dropped like a fiver or something on something. I don't know. No, How bad do you want to sell them? That's the not, question. Not that bad. Right. They're, and they're already them. totally fair prices. They're great amps. And some of the best you can get. Let's get into some random stuff that I've got because there's a, there's a pretty decent amount to get into this week uh where should we start where should we start oh yeah i went to a freaking guitar show last weekend before my ear stuff kicked off i wish i could have made it dude yeah you had family in town so you couldn't come yeah which Uh, is actually a good point i should give a shout out and thanks to my good friend mal because she uh braved it with me as long as i was like hey i'll drive and pay for your ticket will you come to this thing with me i know we texted a little bit but what was the uh, overall experience yeah, so I kind of wanted to. I did definitely save a little bit from you to just just so we had something to talk about on the show. I in general, you sure. know, uh, got to keep it fresh sometimes in a relationship. Got to surprise keep, me. Got to keep bit. some mystery. Uh, it was uh, this past Sunday, March fifth, and it was the Chicago Vintage Guitar Expo. And I and I had heard that this was coming. I was like, you know what? I got it. I got to check this was out. Was that at the uh, Orifice or whatever that place is called? It was in your Orifice. <laughs> no, it was not at the Orpheum or whatever the shit that place <laughs> Odeum, is called. Odium. There yeah. it is. My bad. And uh, no, it was, at, <laughs> it was at the Elk Grove Holiday Inn or maybe Arlington Heights. I don't know. So was it like a conference room kind of thing? Like a smaller? Okay, so we'll start there. Sure. It was in a, a ballroom of sorts, but it was... <laughs> It like was, where like a prom like would be or like end. a shitty uh banquet right a banquet hall banquet center and it, it or you know maybe a 
a big meeting for a, a business. Carpeted floors. Definitely Which carpeted is good for floors. sound if they're testing out guitars. Okay, well, so I'll just say it was it was much smaller than I would have right. expected. Compared to the one that we went to, a third of oh, the size. Oh, in size compared to, oh, much smaller, way smaller than okay. that. And the thing is, it, it had one of those, it was in one of those rooms where it definitely had like a big fake wall. And it didn't seem like there was anything else going on there where they it did like they needed to have it so small because it was quite cramped. Gotcha. Like it, it was it Could was small bigger. and everything was was it was rows on rows on top of each other. It was but it was only just like maybe three rows tall. There's you kind of made like a circuit around the outside and then there was maybe sort of some like three or two or three rows in the middle. Okay. So everything was kind of right on top of each other. I'll say that um the the, the general uh, content was okay at best. You said there were a couple bangers there. Rock and roll. There were the and rock and roll vintage had a stand, but he didn't have any prices listed on his guitar, so you had to ask. And so he kind of, he kind of, you know, we do the thing where he, he and I have had conversations. He then like, you know, sort of pretends like he doesn't know me. He's super standoffish. And uh, that's okay because CME had a table there, and let me tell oh. you, literally all they had was my good buddy Mike from the vintage department with a, a sheet of paper with handwritten CME and that was it. Like a he, menu? He didn't bring any guitars. He was strictly there buying. Oh. And people were walking around with their Why stuff. Why get a booth then? Though? I don't know. That's I mean, weird. I guess I, because CME is CME. And, and well, I'll tell you what, right after, and I, I had a conversation with him. He's a good buddy of mine. Mm -hmm. And he had just bought a, a beautiful, I think it was a 70s Martin... 0021 I want to say cool little finger finger picker Love with the original That's case my style dude happened to be one of if if I had been looking for a vintage guitar that would have been what Damn. I was looking for you, and he had did just you get to it. no he had just bought it so I was talking even, about I was yeah we he, he opened up the case and showed me you know gotcha. what it was and everything but we were I wasn't about to be what like, year so was it it was seven early 70s I don't remember exactly cool. what year but it had the same same style of cases my Martin D76 so nice. at least somewhere around there nice. Uh, so they had that. I'll say that, like I said, the content was okay. The prices were kind of high for a lot of stuff, and I was kind of just like, "Oh, this is weird." It was kind of it was. It felt a little claustrophobic. Did you feel a little bit like I could just do this on reverb at home if I wanted to? Well, at first, sure. but my fortunes turned around, Dave. What happened? Because then I, I then I we made the circuit around the outside. And I was like, "Wow, this is like, you know, kind of a quick." Little little turnaround. Yeah, like, We've been it. here for 15, 20 minutes. It took I feel longer like I've to seen drive. Also, everything. It took longer to drive. It's yeah. going to take twice as long to drive back. But then I popped in, and I and so let me to take a step back. At going there, I was like, well, you know, I've got. Of course, I've got my credit card and my debit card and everything. But like, I've got about a thousand bucks in cash from other deals sitting around. I'm just going to bring that and sort of think like maybe nice. depending whatever happens, like this will be is just sort of what I'm working with. Having cash is always a good idea. Yep. Dealing in a situation Dude, like that. Nobody wants to run cards and do all that shit. Keep it off the books. Yep. So I was, like I said, I was, I didn't really have anything specific. I was looking for, maybe I'll look for vintage pedals and I was, maybe I'll look for a finger picky guitar, but I'm always open to anything that's there. You know me, you know, stuff I like, we like the same stuff. We do make the circuit, Saw a couple of guitars. Didn't really didn't play anything. Had a couple of conversations with guys. Like I said, I saw my buddy Mike talk to him for a little bit. I was like, oh, I'm kind of bummed out. But I realized that we didn't really do the like those inner, uh, uh, inner rows. Go down one. There's like a bunch of straps and tone tubes. Not made by tone tubes, of course. But yeah, other, Gen other not genuine tone tubes. 
then I went down another one and I saw a table full of old petals and I was like, let's see what they got. That's always a nice little thing. Let's see what they got. Got to cruise by. Got to take, got to take a look. So walk over there, kind of, you know, slow roll it a little bit. Hmm, what are they seeing? And, you know, not, not, not showing my hand that I'm excited because I was definitely excited about this table full of petals. It, Dave, I got to tell you, it was, it was right up our alley. I could have definitely spent a lot more money at this place, but I felt like I was just going to get out when the getting was good mm-hmm. kind of deal, which we'll get to. They had old EHX, old crybabies. Ooh, so you're talking they had some nice stuff. They had uh, some old fuzz faces, but then also weird stuff too. You know, it's kind of like kooky weird off off the wall maybe sort of japanese american brands but mostly old petals and what did i notice my friend dave a couple dods <laughs> talking to the dot father over here out of the corner of my eye i see not one but not two but not three dod petals and and they happen to be in my range of you know early 80s to you know original series through the yeah. like late 80s and you noticed uh a few specific things where they did the transition and you said this is definitely earlier than it looks like on you said there was like a boost uh label oh well, well, well okay so i got some dod pedals folks we're, we're obviously we're we're getting there so uh one of them you're right it does and and i didn't know that at the time because i wasn't quite yet an expert on this particular pedal which sure. of course i became after i purchased it but let me tell you Dave, the reason i'm even talking about this a is because obviously we talk about all the gear we get on this show and updates on the dodfather collection are always going to make headline news <laughs> going from i'll tell you seven to ten dod pedals currently in my collection okay so let's get to it i got three pedals and the reason i got three pedals is because i started talking to the proprietor of this shop and he was both knowledgeable and willing to deal my friend and that is what i the main reason i wanted to talk A about friendly gentleman the reason that i can't i could not have a, a accomplish what i accomplished this afternoon on reverb is because i got a freaking heck of a deal and i think that guitar shows can be one of the places where you can still find some deals you can wheel and deal and you get to talk to the person dude i didn't i didn't negotiate oh i literally the the what he said to the one he said the prices to me i didn't want to look a gift horse horse in the mouth just take my cash the first pedal that i saw that caught my eye as as we were playing and messing around with earlier is a dod fx 85 harmonic enhancer mm-hmm. which if you're into the dodd scene you know that those are one of the more desirable more valuable and and they and they're much more rare they didn't make them for a very long time it was in great condition one of the i i, I did date it i, I want to say it's 86 maybe 87 no i think it was 86 and uh didn't have a price on it so i lifted up and and i think he's gonna say 200 i think he's gonna say 185 i mean they sell for several hundred at least right. on sometimes on reverb but usually maybe around like the 200 dollars mark and he said a price to me that i almost i almost dropped it and then i saw and then so i the other two the other two dod pedals i were they were omissions they were empty spots in my collection but not necessarily ones that i've been like dying lusting after but so when i heard the pe- the price on this one i lifted up the next one which happened to be a dod fx 50b overdrive uh, the right. overdrive plus and uh, a nice also classic dude another early 86 example and i was like well how about this one and then he said an even lower number on that one i said oh boy all right well 
as now long we're as we're as I, I collect DOD pedals now that we're showing our cards. You so get all the colors of the rainbow. How much for this yeah. DFX9 digital delay that I don't own, which we'll come back to shortly. And he said another number that was the same number as the price for the harmonic enhancer. I was like, wow, that is also done. I was like, done. Let's let's yeah. just get all three of those. And then he and I were we we just like we're talking a little bit uh, after that talking pedals and I, I mentioned a certain type of crybaby that I happen to be after and he had like a, a seventy Chicago uh, Thomas Oregon one he had some like really cool ones but you know didn't have happen to have the one that I was looking for it's like oh that one has that this one inductor you're right that is a that is a good one and then I walked away after I made the deal and you know we shook hands and gave him the cash. And uh, I, one of his like lackeys minions calls out. He's like, Hey, we've got one of the, like, we've got one of these ones you're after. I was like, Oh, okay. How much do you want? And he said a price that was actually far below even what they are at reverb. But I was like, mm, nah, I'm going to pass for now. And, and I, and okay. I, and I walked away from it. So I just stuck with the, the three OD, three DOD pedals thinking maybe I'll come back later. Right. I didn't end up coming back for it, but uh, it was okay. So been, been jabber drawn about the DOD collection, but really the point is, is that, I think guitar shows are still viable and yes. I still think that they are a place to go. If you're interested and find some deals and if you want to haggle, you definitely could. The numbers that he said were so low that I could easily go flip these and I don't want to be tacky, but I could go flip these and make sure like 10 X yeah, on what I paid. Well, here's the thing, man. Not, I think 10 X is an exaggeration. Maybe five X though. Easily, yeah. Easily. I mean, my thing is this is the kind of things you want to look for at a guitar show is like little guitar pedals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Things that people just, they've had lying around for a Make while. Make a little bit of cash. You're not going to get a good deal on a 62 P bass or you, something well, like that. Depending on how much inventory they have I mean, though, because some people don't want to, especially if it's like a heavy amp. I don't know, man. Like a big I'd amp. Be, yeah. I'd be, I'd be more, and there were a lot of amps there. Take and that VT 40. I'd be there. encouraged to take a deal if it meant I didn't have to lug that thing back home. Right. You know? And I think that's part of the point too. Sometimes with those shows is what is, if you're looking for deals and, and someone just do, wants to unload inventory, they've been doing this game for a long time. Right. You might, you might get lucky. And, and like I said, I didn't even have to haggle. I did. I would have felt bad if like offering the prices that they offered right. to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, deals to be had, I think buddy. pedals are the way to go when it comes to guitar. Shows. I think so too. I think you're yeah. right. It's, it's plus there's so many tables. I mean, I don't know about the one you were just at, mm-hmm. but like, I remember the one we went to and a few that I've been to. There's just so many tables of pedals that, like, a lot of people just walk by them. They're like, yeah, we've seen it all. Oh, tube screamers, you know. But if you really take a look, there's some good deals. That's right. Yeah. Take, and, and, and I also think a lot of it pays off when you're, when you have a, when you have a sort of a, a single, not to be singularly minded, but you have a, a, a certain type, type of thing that you know a lot about already. Maybe it's DOD pedals. Maybe it's something else, EHX, right. whatever, you know, whatever, boss pedals, I don't care. But you like kind of already know what you're looking for in some ways. It makes it easier to sort of t- target a big, when you've got a big table full of pedals and, you know, there's maybe a bunch of crap on there. But if there's some, if you see that it's like, oh, I know that and that's something that I like, that yep. kind of gets you in and you, maybe maybe they'll suggest something else to you based on what that's like well, and i think buying a few at a time is the way to go too you know like package uh, deals all day a better deal yeah, that's right absolutely. how about 75 for that instead of 50 if or instead of 100 all if i get three for things. this yeah exactly. exactly that's awesome man yeah i i got pumped when you sent me that photo you i know got some nice deals too. Th- that's gonna have to be the uh that's gonna have to be the cover photo for I'm this in. year that's Let's your show Let's keep it moving. I'm getting a little. My, this I know. Is, I'm on. A, I'm like antibiotics. Mm. We're gonna. This is gonna be a short episode. I'm calling it right now. Uh, we're gonna breeze through a couple things, but there are updates to things that we've been talking about. Cool. First one is that uh, we have been following this Gibson v. Dean lawsuit situation. Okay. Is there and, updates? And there is an update, even though we kind of thought it was over. I the thought last it was over. I thought they settled. Yeah. Well, so originally. 
basically the deal is Gibson came after Dean for Dean selling a bunch of their shapes and also using basically like the same or similar names, you know, or like it was sure. the Flying V Explorer ES and SG body shape trademarks as well as the Dove Wing headstock design. Uh, so after it was, this was all handled in court, Dean was told they were ordered to stop producing their V, their Z, and their Grand Sport electric guitars. A few months later, Gibson's like, yo, Quartz, Dean is still advertising and selling these oh, guitars. they just didn't give a fuck? I don't know why. Maybe it's, they had already paid for that stuff and they're like, we Dean have to get Dean says to. that they were dealing with turnover in their leadership with the new ceo and blah 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 sure. making excuses it was a mess the court's like you are probably gonna have to owe money now you've, you've messed up so they messed up uh yeah i guess oh I, it turns out their then ceo was sued for an alleged embezzlement so it's you know it's Ooh, not subtle if that happened or not good. yet so that was part of why this was when all this was going it's down a little spaghetti style uh, gibson must reportedly now show the court what the financial impact of this would mean to them right so like they have to somehow have to invent a number losses. and say like because they sold this many and advertised this this is how much we think we're damaged and then that will but they, they're going to go back to the courts tell the courts and then the courts are going to determine how much dino's do you have an opinion on this you have to protect your trademarks i agree so i, I like legally you like that's part of owning a trademark is protecting it you ha- you're, you must do that but I'm kind of on I Dean's just, side on this one we're always on Dean's side because they're this, the little guy and I yeah. get that and this one it's Gibson has to go after them it, and it's so fucking stupid that they didn't just take the stuff down and stop selling those right. models for sure for sure for it's sure. why would just of everything that's going on that just seems like the easiest okay we'll we'll just at least even if it's just temporarily while you're figuring out the court stuff right and I just never thought of Dean as like I mean they're not even in like Sweetwater magazine. I don't think. Like they're not even. I don't, I don't that know big. where they're distributed anymore. Exactly. I have no idea. Like I don't. You know. So my point is, like, ah, what, who are they advertising? I haven't, I haven't seen a Dean ad since the eighties. I guess they're advertising somewhere because Gibson is yeah. showing their the use of well, it. Well, they have people it. who are going to go out and look for those look for those things. Now so, they have to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing in in this section here. Just got to mention because it did happen. Even though it's a bummer, we got to say a rest in peace to Leonard Skinner, guitarist Gary Rossington, Man. passed away this week. That's a tough one. Played played the slide guitar on Freebird. I mean, what else? Yeah. What else needs to be said? Just passed away at the age of seventy one. Also uh, played the those main guitar riffs down in Tuesday's Gone and Simple Man, Jeez. and also known for playing a fifty nine. Les Paul Sunburst. And was the one I sent you, was that one of his guitars? I forget what that was. It was uh I'm was not sure burst. which one you sent me. It was like a fifty nine bird. Oh no, no, no. That was a different I know dude, I know that with that crazy top on it. Yes. Like so worn this out. This was different. No, I get this is Bernice. I think it's at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm. It's uh named after his mom. Uh but dude, I didn't I guess I, I didn't I forgot the fact that like, you know, Leonard Skinner famously had a bunch of members die in a plane crash. Yes. And like Gary Rossington survived that. Yeah, dude, he was the last guy. And he, but before that, he crashed his car into a tree. So he should have died then, and should have died then too. So, dude survived a a DUI car wreck and a plane Plane crash crash. that took the lives of his bandmates, and then lived for like he was like eighty, forty-five years after. Yeah, he lived until he was seventy-one. Yeah. 71 still that's a hell of a run for a rock star man. he broke both of his arms legs wrists ankles and his pelvis 
but recovered and you know continued to play in Leonard Skinner. Uh, one of my favorite life. Leonard Skinner performances is uh, live at Oakland. I think it's seventy six. Okay, check that one out. So that that's pre that's pre pre crash. Pre crash that's so Alan sure. Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, he's out there. Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, Cassie Gaines, yeah. and three others it's lost their lives. It's an outdoor performance. It's so amazing. So, yeah. Damn. Cool. Check it out. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, we've got a rare foot of the week, my friend. And you sent it to me. Oh, God. I I gave you the barf emoji, I yeah. think. Yeah, it was brutal. It is for uh, on reverb for an MXR sub-octave bass fuzz, the uh, M287, which is a dope pedal. Nice pedal. It almost, it almost actually... That before I got the MXR Poly Blue octave, I was thinking about this one. Really? Yeah. Very. They do very similar things, in fact. Uh, but it, if you're interested in looking it up, folks, it's on Reverb for 160 bucks. There's, there's a big old there's foot. A big old foot right there in that I main mean, image. A big bony white foot. Big bony white gross foot. Ugh. Nasty. So go check it out. Uh, we do have. I have two rare finds of the week to mention. Ooh. One is because this is a piece of gear that I've never actually seen in person before, so I wanted to mention it. And, it, and also because the, the gear itself is really weird, and I bet you have no idea what's going on with this thing if you're, if you're familiar with it at all, because it is the uh, URI Universal Audio Cooper Time Cube. Have you ever heard of this? It's a mm-hmm. piece of rack gear, or, or I thought that's all was, that was going on with it, which I was wrong about, and we'll explain why. I've never heard of this. I only know about it because it's been a Universal Audio plugin for years, as long as I've been using Universal Audio stuff, I think. I don't know, it feels like it's been around forever. And it's just a really cool sounding, usually sort of analog, double tracky, sh- really short, slapbacky type delay. But it turns out it's been used, let's see, I think I've got it written on here. It's been written for, uh, oh, oh, that's right. It was originally used uh, on Tell Me Something Good. And Lowrider. Tell me like, something good. Yep. And, the, and also and Lowrider yeah. by War. Uh, so last night. it's just spectacular sounding, but it's a really cool plugin. I, I've never actually seen a real one. And it's, there's one for sale right now on Reverb. Uh, and it is one of only a thousand ever made, which explains why I've never seen one in person. Uh, it was, uh, like I said, a rack unit. And so I thought that the actual processing or whatever because it's an analog type of delay but i knew it was like a weird kind of delay i didn't know i thought it was tape i guess right it's not a tape delay uh i thought that was all happening in the rack unit it turns out the rack unit is actually just like the control face and the processing happens in a two by two plywood box inside the two by two plywood box by I mean I'm and by two by two I mean feet. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say I'm like whoa inches. Inside the two by two plywood box are a bunch of garden hoses, and at like real garden hoses, more or less. Whoa! And at different distances at both ends of each line are sure mic capsules, literal just like SM57 mic capsules. And a bunch of weird aluminum blocks with these quote-unquote tuning screws placed at various places to tune the delay to a relatively flat response. It's then, the whole thing is then suspended on springs within the housing to maintain acoustical isolation and then filled with packing peanuts, which stay inside when you're using it to absorb vibrations and echoes and shit. And so the the what rack the, the rack face controls the like time and stuff 
by mechanically changing things happening to some freaking garden hoses and aluminum blocks inside a two by two block box of plywood. What year was this made? This was made in the seventies. Cool. Yeah. Uh, 1971. And it's for sale? For sale on Reverb currently. What are we asking? Uh, well, what do you think they're asking? Dude, I'm what what's a, a box with garden hoses in it cost? One of one of only a thousand made. A thousand bucks. Oh my god, you get a if it was a thousand bucks, I would have bought it already. Damn, really? Fifty three hundred. Does it sound cool? It sounds so, dude, have you heard Lowrider before? Yeah. Then yeah. Which part of Lowrider? I guess I can think All of the just every single part, dog. It's used, it's mostly used, like I said, to sort of like thicken and double sounds and like a cool. slap back. So not it's like, like a, a cool like a studio Not like that. It's more of like a, yeah. Would you say they were asking on it now? 5,300. Damn, dude. That's not too bad. I mean, if you had a studio, it would be pretty fucking sick. It's for something that rare. I bet, I bet bet my life that it's, it's going to go up in price you know what i mean like that is that is going to appreciate in value beyond even 5300 is it gone no it's still there Ooh. yeah four bones i just feel like it's something that a lot maybe not a ton of people know about because i only know about it due to the universal audio plugin you right know? that's cool though i wonder what the the plugin is versus like the actual physical thing like if the plugin's good then i bet it's very similar and probably noisier yeah. frankly honestly yeah <laughs> that's a good point one last rare find this week and this one i think actually get, reverb might have even done a little article about it because it is a pretty cool way huge pedal by the way i don't think i told you this hmm. I, I bought one of these i just haven't gotten it yet no you didn't tell me the uh the way huge overrated special it's the jobo it's the joe bonamassa signature drive boost pedal okay well this is something that it's not available for sale anymore. It's become more rare and it frankly a lot more expensive. And and I bought one actually Dan Lou. I bought his and I just haven't taken it, gotten it off of him yet. Shout out to Dan Lou. Before they actually made this overrated special. Did I say overdrive special? I meant to say overrated special. Yeah, before. no, you said overrated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before they made the overrated special for Jobo himself, they made a version that has two of them in one box and it's got some sliders instead of some knobs. Right. And they called that the double land special. Well, Jobo's actual version of that is for sale. Um, or I'm sorry, it was for sale and has recently sold on reverb uh, because he sold his, his prototype. Uh, it was used at NAM exhibits, artist relation events, and then um, that was his pedal signed by him himself as well as the members of the Way Huge team. So what, what's interesting about it is that when I first noticed it, it was at a much higher price than what it eventually sold at. So uh, I'm I, I want to give you two options to guess. I would like you to guess what it was first listed at. Can I get Jobo's, a multiple choice? Jobo's double. Um, okay. Yeah, let's do that. We'll do Jobo's. We'll do the original asking price for sure. Jobo's double and special then what it eventually sold for. All right. So multiple choice, you get three choices. I'm going to go, um, uh, I'll just start. I'll just always start with the lowest number to make it easier for us to remember. We'll do, uh, 10, 20 and 40,000. Holy shit. Asking. So price. it's somewhere between that. I got to say the middle one for sure. 20. Uh, it's only 10. So okay. Just trying to mess with you. No, I, that's good. I'm glad you did that. Now I said it was original asking price and then sold for much God less. Damn, that's so. Lot. Now that you know that, I'm gonna make you guess. Know that it was originally 10k. What do you think it eventually sold uh, for? Oh Jesus, 40, 55. Wow. 
Stole a lot, lot of, lot of cash for that's a pedal. a lot of coin, baby. Here, that's more than, more than a clon. Actually, although I don't know, clons are getting up in that. Oh, they were half a million dollars. Half a million dollar uh, first one ever made. Uh, one, one last thing to get into real fast because I think you might have actually checked this out too, and that's a that we've got something for Gear Jail. Let's send them in, lock them up. Well, give at least give them a fair trial. Fair trial. Here it goes. Judge Jerry Sweetwater Rig Builders. I didn't watch it. Did you watch any of it? No. Okay. Because you already kind of like shitted on it. I well, I wanted you to watch it because I wanted to see if I was just being crabby about it too. But here's the thing. Yeah. I get it. Like, duh. It's obviously just an app, like a, a half hour advertisement for the uh, of course thing. You know, it was so. It's, if if, if you all haven't checked yeah. it out yet, Sweetwater released a YouTube show called Rig Builders Episode One, where they had two. I I mean. I've never heard of these people, but who they sort of referred to as like, you know, semi-famous up and coming kind of gear YouTubers participate in a game show against one another at the Sweetwater facility in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's a skit. It's a whole thing. And so it's half hour episode. They do these like different games where it's like each guy, the one guy was, he's definitely way like real into metal. He's got like his channels all about him, like playing a bunch of different metal type heads, I guess. Uh, Which and they're then, hitting their demographic, I think. You know? Sure, we'll check it out. So it was this guy, and then there was this other guy who seemed much more into like weird, crazy boutique guitars and like jazz kind of stuff almost. And then they're like, "Okay, your challenge is going to be, you have to use the Sweetwater website to make the best country guitar rig." And they, were they just like, Duh. they were both like, "Oh well." Neither of us know anything about that. Come on, what a setup, dude. Then it was like, okay, well, good thing Sweetwater has such a good website. And they went to the website yeah. and then it was like, oh, wow, well, didn't Defender you know Princeton. it? No, it was like uh, right here on the front page, there's a buying guide for how to select a country guitar rig. I'm going to reference that. Oh, you know what? I still have some more questions. I'm going to call my Sweetwater representative at 1-800-SUCK-MY-SWEETWATER. Hey, this is Luke. Thanks for calling Sweetwater. This is Jedediah, and <laughs> I would like to send you some candy. <laughs> Hold on. I, I do get what they're doing, and I got to say, like, what they... Look, they look at, like, Reverb's model, because Reverb does this kind of stuff, right? They're like, hey, this is how to get the best country sound, and they do an article about it Dog. with some videos. I get that. So I was trying to do something a decade ago, plus like 15 years ago. We get like that's I get it. It's a little late to the game. It's I no, it's not I don't even know it's late to the game. I just man, there's just there's just a Ned Flanderiness to Sweetwater that is hard for me to stomach. I know you don't well, also you're a Zounds boy, so Look, I aren't they I, like the same company? No, they're not. Okay. I have I have made a purchase from Sweetwater not that long ago. They send you candy in the box. I bought that freaking Bogner Harlow because they were selling it at a ri- ridiculous yeah. price, so I, I had to buy it. I don't hate on Sweetwater. I know how weird they are and all that kind of stuff. And I do get calls from Logan. Shout out to Logan if you're listening. Mm. I appreciate it. It is weird on a Tuesday afternoon to get a call from a representative being like, "Is there anything I can help you find?" I'm like, "Dude, come on." I bought like a you know a cable from you guys. I don't need. You know, yeah, dude, I don't know. I just uh, it, I get the hustle. That's his job. I wanted to like it. I in the demographic for this show. I watch too much YouTube. I watch too much gear YouTube. I turned it off after like nine minutes. Yeah, dude. Um, that's fair. 
I think that's fair. So it's out there if you folks want to check it out. It wasn't for me. Dave, yeah. I do I would love it if you if you find it in your heart at some point to oh, give I'll it a watch. watch. It. I, I would just I would be curious to know what your thoughts on it and if you made it further and if I was out of my mind. I probably would make it less into less as, as oh, really? much of the episode. Just because I kind of have like a preconceived you know, yeah. notion about it now. But um I don't know. When you sent it to me, I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, they did like a little mini podcast about like how to talk to stuff, you know, talk about stuff. Yeah, well, that's no, it's a game it show. It was an advertisement. It was a half hour. It's a, it's a game show. They do games. Yeah. And but it's, and by it's the hot. Way, Check out how awesome Sweetwater is. If Sweetwater wants to sponsor us and have us talk about stuff and like, I don't want to like sell stuff, but if they want us to actually be like, what's the best rig to get a country set up? Dude, I would love to talk I think, about I that. I think, dude, honestly, I think we, we burned that holy bridge many episodes ago. <laughs> And every time I send you a Sweetwater link, I'm like, Henry's going to hate this. No, I don't. I don't hate Sweetwater. I just they're Yeah, I, right. They are I, a I mean, weird. I do obviously have allegiance to Zounds. They do have a weird like I have friends still there and bandmates and like and stuff too. Like, well, well and anyone you talk to anyone that's ever been there. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. But it's a it's like almost it, there's like there's some sort of there's some culty vibes. Because didn't they on. just and I will say check out the Sweetwater use section because that's actually pretty cool. That website they made. The gear exchange. Yeah, it's fine. I tried. I listed on there. there. I nothing. I got zero I bites. found a scammer immediately. You did. Remember that 64 Mustang that was like 1300 bucks? I do remember. Like, There's no way this yeah. is. And it got pulled down. Um, and I will say this. Didn't they just open a year ago maybe or so um, like a room you can go and like try stuff I th- out? I'm pretty sure they have a, a public like a live room. room yeah. Point. So maybe we Maybe we'll do a little GearBuzz trip and go check them out. I, I, Maybe we'll swing. You, you do happen. There. I mean, you know I'm going to Indy. So we got to wear all I'm, our. I'm down with the Indianapolis We got to wear all our like fucking metal black gear and just be like all like 666 across our shirts Done. and stuff. Let's do that. Dude. Yeah. That'd dude, be we're going to be so edgy. They're be like, who are these guys? And then it's going to be some guy walks up to us like <laughs> covered in tats and like, yeah. no, they're going to have, it's like they're, they're going to call like, us out metal us and be like, you dorks, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. You can't even shred. You know what else is dorky? Not Dave's Docs. Because it's the opposite of dorky. It's my fucking favorite thing. What? Dave's Docs. Oh, yeah, right. Dave's Docs is my favorite thing. It's Dave's Docs. So it's kind of funny. You sent this to me a week ago, and I ended up watching it because I didn't want to, because I didn't want to pay $5, but I did. Mm. I watched the documentary about Smart Studios. About Smart Studios. I do. In Madison, Wisconsin. That's right. We have many, Take many a sip of water here. Many friends and connections to that establishment. Oh. So it's we have some vested interests. Which they didn't bring up. No, no, Sean O'Keefe. No, not at all. Interesting. What about um? What's his other the other guy he works with? So well, it's Butch Vig, obviously. Obviously. And then there's um the other dude is jeez, oh, I wrote his name. In there's here. another guy's name, and and he's also a has some friend connection. Steve Marker. Oh no, that's what I'm guy. thinking. Well, it, Butch and Steve were the owners. Okay. So they I thought it was taken. It was taken over by someone else eventually, but anyways. It's kind of funny how like a studio. I'm just going to kind of give an overview. Yeah. I don't really feel like reading right now. No. Not feeling great. No, we're, this is going to be a short one. I'm going to yeah. speed through the, the rest of this. It's kind of funny how um, their story aligns. You know, I watch a lot of documentaries. You I don't do. Know if you know that or not. Might have heard. Their story aligns a lot with a band's story where you get this startup in the beginning where everything is super fresh. And then it starts to reach a peak. And then a band like Nirvana comes in mm-hmm. and they recorded Polly there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Butch goes to do Nevermind in Sound City. and Which has been a Dave's doc. Right, of course. Sound City, check it out. It's one of the greatest. Um, and I will say it's like, after that, it almost got like 
too commercial. Like they got like too famous for their britches. People kind of people wanted to come work there to capture some of that magic. And and the whole point of the studio when it first started in the early eighties was like it's a fucking well, first of all, they had two locations. So they didn't buy that building right away. They bought they lived in this um or stayed in this like ten thousand square foot warehouse and they had like a thousand square feet of this, you know, piece of it. Hmm. And they would no air conditioning, they would fucking sleep there. Bands like would kind of come there from only Madison area. They'd record these punk bands that were in there. And they managed to get some really good sounds. And they ended up buying the place across the street, which is the uh, the building that we know. Got it. And I think I even wrote down the address, I think, somewhere. Um, What's the Addy, dog? Dude, Pop I can, it into Google I can Maps. Drop, I did. and Because I remember when like it was how I sale. sent you the Google Maps location for the McLaren Technology Center, MTC, Dude. where you can walk through. Dude, that was so cool. Isn't that sick? Yeah, they don't unfortunately have the inside, which they did on the listing. I remember walking through the inside on the virtual mm-hmm. when it was for sale, but it's somebody bought it for like less than four hundred thousand. Oh like snap! Which is kind of like I don't want to live in Madison, but, but also that's a pretty legendary fucking place. So the point is, like Butch Vig was the owner, you know, world renowned engineer. If anybody doesn't know, garbage drummer, garbage drummer. But like way before that, mm-hmm. was like you know he he did Nirvana and nevermind. I think he did in utero as well. Um, because the drums were just, he really, his drum tone was everything that everybody was after. Um, Oh, and then he became friends with Billy Corgan from smashing pumpkins. Mm-hmm. So they recorded Gish there. So that's a big thing, which, which Gish, I'll, I, that growing, I haven't listened to it in a decade, but growing up, that was the pumpkins that I actually liked. So, you know, what's so funny about you saying that? And I, I believe you, um, on the radio the other day, they played a Smashing Pumpkins song. Sometimes I listen to Q101, but sometimes I put on 95.5. Oh, okay. Which is like another alternative station. You're such a radio boy. I love it. I do like, because I like the randomness, but it's also like you only hear the same 20 songs mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, and this guy was, he was about to put Pumpkins on and he's like, yeah, this is from, uh, you know, uh, what was the the next album? Siamese, Siamese Dream. Siamese yeah. Dream. But, you know, my real favorite album is Gish. And I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck you. Your favorite <laughs> album isn't Gish, dude. That album, it sounds, I mean, it sounds great. It's, there's it's, no bangers. It's so, on the- I don't know. I agree. It's like, it's so dry. It's so dry. And like the guitars are just like so right in your face. I would, yeah, I don't know. There was something about that album that I used to love. But apparently there was a, there was a relationship between Billy and Butch where like he kind of, they kind of pushed each other. Because okay. like Butch was always like, hey, do this, do that. He was really all about experimenting and bands would come in. It was kind of like a Rick Rubin type thing. Like he really got to know the bands more than like talk about like the technicalities of everything. He just kind of got in the psychology of like recording bands. And Billy pushed him to be like, we want to sound exactly like this. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, I can get you to this far. And he's like, well, I can get you this far. And they wouldn't compromise. And it was like it was almost like a battle. Where but you think they would? But that's where that's collaboration. That's where the cool was, stuff comes out. It was collaboration, but also not agreeing on anything. Mm-hmm. But they became like friends out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was kind of a cool steel sharpens steel. Exactly, dude. So, um, anyways, I, I don't know. It was pretty good. They closed in like 2010, or something like that. Wow, it doesn't seem like it was. Or in, no, I think it was 2015. But in 2010, things started to get rocky because yeah. they were so famous because of Butch Vig. He was on the cover of magazines and like all this shit. Well, of course. And did Garbage do their records there? Garbage did their record there. Um, the, like the, the first hit. But that record. didn't like, they didn't really talk about that in the doc. Like that didn't change anything. And yeah. Shirley Manson was in it. Like, talking By the way, about who it. made the doc? I have no idea. It was, so, okay. It so wasn't, wasn't one of like my 
but it was Magnolia like, Studios. It, but I mean, it wasn't like uh, someone from uh, an insider perspective or something. I don't it was think like so. An outside company. I was like, hey, I'll we want to make a documentary about this. One of the things I wrote down in my notes was, was this made in 2005? Okay, so it seems old. It seems old, and even like the miking and the camera, the mm. cameras are like fuzzy. Like it doesn't seem like new. Maybe it was, and they didn't release it until 2016. It was when it actually so came. So maybe out. they were sitting on it for a long time. Which was funny because when you sent it to me, it was like a new article about it. Yeah, something there was, some, there was an article, right. and then I found I found it on YouTube. Yeah, and then it got pulled. And then it got pulled. So I don't know what happened, but um, they must have re- like they took more time to like release it. I think mm-hmm. I don't know how all that shit works. I'm not in the film yeah. industry, but um, yeah, it was cool. I you sound a little lukewarm on it. I didn't love it. I want to say this, Butch Vig, to his credit, um, he got criticism at the time from Steve Albini. Oh beautiful and you'll like this steve albini said he just wants every band to sound like the beatles huh and butch goes there's some truth in that so in a way what butch Vig would do he would he would help produce bands they would come in and he'd be like he wasn't afraid to be like all right i know you guys think you're this raw band but come in and like maybe double the chorus maybe add some harmonies here mm-hmm. maybe do right. this he wasn't afraid to give a band a little pop sensibility because he knew some that that production. is what Production. I mean, which a lot of engineers can step away and not do that kind of stuff. Well, that's the difference between Steve Albini and Butch Vig. Steve Steve Albini Albini would be like... is is an engineer. He's like, hands off. Do whatever the fuck you want. Like, If you want to double it, you can, but I'm not going to tell you I think you should do anything. I had a friend who personally worked with Steve Albini, my bud Char, and he was like, oh, he was like, if you asked him a question about a solo, like, did that sound good? Mm -hmm. He wouldn't respond because he's legally not... You're not paying him to do that, which Mm -hmm. is... Okay, I mean, come on, we're all here together. Like, just give me a little something. Well, it's that's, but that's his thing. Is he's like, right. I, you, I'll make you, I'll get the best sound of the version of what you guys are on your me, own. But you make your own decisions. Yeah. Where Butch Vig was more hands on, and he yeah. never told bands what to do, but I think he had a vision for every band that came in. So that's kind of that's kind of to his credit, pretty cool. I would say the documentary is really about the studio, but it's also about Butch Vig and kind of how he grew up and like. Like when he was eight years old, he was like taking records and like, or 13 or something. He was taking records and like recording them onto a cassette from a record. And then he would re-synchronize like all the parts. Like he would cut them up. Oh, cool. So he started like remixing Chopping stuff, and looping. Chopping yeah. them up, looping stuff, adding effects when he was really young. And that goes into how they actually made money um, around like that 2000s era. They started remixing. I think they did that. Fuck, there was a House of Pain song that they did. That was Jump like, Around? No, not Jump Around, but it was like they remixed um oh, I thought I wrote it down. Yeah, I guess not. But there was basically like uh it was like boom, shalak lock, boom, patam, boom, shalak lock. That sounds boom. that sounds vaguely familiar. It's a House of Pain song that Something he remixed that happened and in the nineties. His version of it is more famous than the one that they oh, like, cool. had on their album. So that's kind of his thing. Like yeah. so it was kind of cool how I went full circle from like him being a kid doing that to like this making a career out of that and then being a drummer in a famous alternative rock band yeah and then you know the garbage thing they didn't really talk about too much it was kind of interesting um because i thought that's where i know him from sure um there were some good gear spots he so he played in a band called spooner okay with the other owner i think the other owner was a guitar player but he also was like the roadie i think he would just like come into Hmm. gigs and like help out and so they were the ones that opened the band there was a nice fender jaguar they kept showing which i really liked that spooner had 60 early 60s yeah like a stripped one kind of like the one i had that i sold 
I still, if man, if I were to ever take another dip in the waters of the old fenders, I think an old Jag might be. I know. Where I'd look. You and short scales. I just, like the short scale thing. I feel like. Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like actually play it. it. Yeah, but I would still want. You'd look well, at it. Gibson scales are shorter than Fender scales. That's it would look nice on that like. wall right there. Dude, what wouldn't? I've got a <laughs> couple pieces of art that I could throw up there. I was actually thinking about, but I'm I'm moving out of this place. I'm getting out of here, so I'm not gonna do that. Anyways, let's finish this Dave's doc up. So the guest spots. Guest, I will say it's I will yeah. say it's worth watching. Okay. Um, Billy Corgan, Butch Vig, obviously. Dave Grohl was in it. Shirley Manson, Jimmy Chamberlain was in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Wallow was the Death Cab guy. Yeah, they recorded there. And then Danita Sparks from L7. L7 recorded there. Got it. Badass fucking all-female grunge band from Seattle. I liked it. It was a low-budget doc. It didn't feel like they could have done a better job, I think, overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a sad part at the end where in, like, 2015, I think, is when they closed. Okay. And they have, like, the last intern. And it's, like, this kid. He's probably, like, 23, and he's, like, shoveling snow, you know, outside. And he's like, yeah, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, like, um in like martial arts when you get your black belt is when they say you finally start learning martial arts that's like kind of what he was equating huh. it to he's like i worked my way up to get here and now that i'm here i feel like i'm starting all over yeah right and then it closes so it's kind of a sad you know i hope that guy went on to do me too good things um i want to ask you this man this is what it really made me think of this is kind of my takeaway the vibe that they set out were like bands would come around from the Midwest and they're like, we have to go to the studio. We stay there for a few days. We go to the local bar down the street. This becomes our home. Are we, is that gone or is it really close to being gone? I think right now it is, but it doesn't have to be because you know, Airbnbs exist and those are affordable. So with the way that I think that, it might not exist to the level where there's a, a dedicated studio, but you could rent out a space with, you know, mobile recording gear and still and go stay somewhere and, and isolate yourself in a certain kind of way or, I agree. or immerse yourself in a different kind of environment and still do cool recording stuff. But I, I think that that I agree. exact scenario, I do the think idea of though, going. this building is we capture yeah, magic. Right. It's a lot like the sound city documentary, which right. we've talked about. This building captures a magic because of the walls are harmonizing with everything that's been going mm-hmm. on. And, you know, you feel ghosts in there in a way, you know, and like that kind of idea is is kind of like gone. You know, I mean, we have Abbey Road still, you know, but few and far between. Yeah, I, th- I, I do think that that era is mostly gone. And that yeah. kind of bummed me out at the very end. I was like, man, like where bands would get excited, dude, we don't have. Here was the other cool thing about that that doc and we'll wrap it up but like he was you know he was like dude bands would come in with like no money they'd Mm -hmm. be like we have a hundred dollars what can we do and they're like we'll record you guys like we would take anything there were bands that like didn't even pay and they you know they're like yeah we'll pay you later or whatever and like it just never happened and they weren't shitty about it they were like dude this is what we get to do every day now i don't know how those guys actually had money to do this but also at a time where maybe the rent was 50 bucks a month or something like that Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't like a crazy expense you know um, I guess my point is the destination studio thing is it's kind of sad, you know, like my band, you know, we like to go record. We went to a real studio in May that was or in September. Sorry. That was like really, it was really fun to go there and do that. We didn't have to do that. We could have mm-hmm. done the whole thing in our practice space. Of course. So I guess like going to these destination play, I just don't want that to completely die. I don't think it's going to completely die. It's definitely different. I don't think what you saw in that documentary is probably ever going to come back or if it does it's going to be a while where bands would come from seattle because they heard a a demo tape that this band put out 
and they're like, "Fuck, we're gonna drive up yeah. to Milwaukee or uh, Madison." And and that's a bummer because again, it's what we're t- we're sort of touching on. It's the it's the ghosts in the walls. It's also getting as a group getting out of your comfort zone and going somewhere different and and capturing something in a different space physically. Right. We're, even just from where you live, you right. know. So yeah, both of those things are are, are gone. I, I do I. I see the value in both though. So I hope that there is a way that we can kind of, yeah, I just, I just reimagine that. I want that to keep going somehow. Maybe there's an, maybe it's a way that we haven't even thought of Dave, yet. Dude, I got it. You and me, we need to have a little gear buds retreat. We go record this somewhere else and see what happens. Yes. <laughs> go take the podcast. Somewhere yeah. Else. We've had a few. Go do it at Abbey. Yeah. Let's do it at Abbey road. See how it sounds. Good one, man. Can I get a totally arbitrary rating? Uh, dude, I honestly didn't write one down because yeah. I was in there. I, I'll give it a seven and a half. Okay, yeah. Seven and a half uh, tape decks. I don't know. It was it was fine. It, honestly, I wish it was like a newer doc. Like I wish they would have redone it and like I know what you mean. added some stuff to they, it. We talk about it a lot. They they it's the the development of documentaries is really cheap. accelerated yeah. with modern times. They've gotten better. All right, so here's the deal. Neither Dave nor I are feeling all that awesome right now. Yeah. So we're gonna do a little speed round of future gear where I've got a bunch of stuff that new stuff that's come out this week also some things that have been just getting kind of pushed up and down the list and we're going to kind of we're going to push through them real quick let's try and and knock as much off this list as we can (laughs) right now and see what happens and there's some good stuff too and i'm I'm excited for about at least the first couple of these so first one big news new freaking mesa mark amp came out this week we were talking about the mark 2c plus plug-in that came out last week this week the mesa mark 7 amplifier was announced and if you're a mesa fan you might be thinking yourself dave you might be thinking well wait a minute wait a darn minute the last amp that mesa put out in the mark series was the mark five right where did we go where's the six right well mesa believes they've taken such a big leap with this one that the six was just was a full-on prototype and, wow. and they jumped all the way to number seven that's kind of cool and they're advertising it as nine amps in one a quote-unquote greatest hits collection of the most iconic and recorded boogie sounds in history it's like a super digital thing no it's all analog brother all really oh yeah so uh it's what they refer to as having distilled randall smith the original mark designer his 50-year career in visionary amp design so it's got the full range of sounds of the mark series history you know you can dial in everything from clean to crunch to super nasto distorted all the way up to this new mark 7 mode which is obviously what the name of this amp is uh, but it also has which they haven't really i don't think they've ever put in a mark amp before the 2b setting so basically there's three channels within each channel you can select between three different sounds or i should say among i guess and some of them are really high gain some are clean so you can dial them all in one of the really unique things about this that i think is super cool is that you can have each channel foot switchably do different things with different cabinets mm. and each channel has its own separate output if you want so you can have it go to different cabs you can have it it's got built in their cab clone ir stuff so you can go usb or xlr straight out direct to your recording device or or, you know front of house with it it's super flexible in that like you because you might want different output settings on a clean channel versus a really heavy distorted channel on a different cabinet so you can really tailor that with this amp you can you can use it just with one cabinet too of course but you have all the options you'd ever want every every freaking demo that i watched for it sounds amazing i'm excited about it 
It's available as a head, a combo, and I think this is an interesting in 2023, Dave, a rack head as well, similar to like the Kemper, basically. You think the racks might be making a comeback? I think they're kind of making a little bit of a comeback. Whoa. A little bit. I mean, Mesa's, Mesa, Mesa, Gibson owned Mesa is investing the money and resources to make a head in a rack version. So, Damn, dude. Um, I want you to guess. I'm talking a lot about it. Really oh. cool amps. What do they What do they cost? I'll tell you that, that the, the head and the rack head cost the same. The combo is uh, a little bit more. Let me just go on the speaker. head. Yeah, twenty three hundred, thirty five. Ooh, not cheap. Yeah. Combo thirty eight. <coughs> but you said it. That's an all tube analog. Fucking yeah, and it's got all cor- sorts of crazy. You can run multiple different types of output power yeah. tubes. I mean, there there's like, a lot of features. There, are the, as far as this sort of thing goes. Uh, I'm not going to say Rolls Royce because Rolls Royce are each sort of handmade, but it's like whatever the top of the line production fucking supercar is. Right. This is kind of what Mesa's the Bugatti? going for. I think oh, that's Bugatti's not are also yeah, those are also also handmade. Maybe Porsche like 911. a or like a McLaren or a, yeah, a 911 is a good example. A yeah. GT3 or whatever the yeah, coolest one. The highest are. end. That's pretty cool. The and and as well, so I know Dan Liu has the. Mark four, I believe. And even that's a little like a little too complicated. And this takes it one step further right. with all the options in the world. So you've got to be into the tweaking if you're going to be into the Mark series Mesa amps. A lot of people are. I'm one of them. Uh, really cool guitar was announced this week. And I know that I sent it to you as well. I don't know if you actually looked at it or not. Because CME did a really funny video. Uh, the Gretsch Rally has had a reissue. So you texted me that and I didn't <laughs> yeah. look it up, but uh dude, tell I, me you're what gonna you got. be excited because it's You had one. I had an original. I had an original early sixties Gretsch Rally. I believe I bought that off Paul. Yep. And uh f- when you look at it It's a beautiful guitar. Well uh, even compared to the original, they look it looks a lot like the original. It's the same three right. colors which originally came out. I think I have it written down here. There was oh yeah, two tone bamboo yellow. Uh, it was bamboo yellow copper metallic two-tone oxblood with a walnut stain and then there was rally green and that was what i had was right. the rally green and they, those are the colors that they came out with now you might be asking yourself what makes a rally different from like any other gretsch guitar of the period sure. well the original they were hollow hollow guitars with uh, single coil hylotron pickups uh, one of the other sort of weird, really strange things about them, and mine, this was already disabled by the time I got it, but it had this like strange built-in treble boost mm. circuit with like a battery and shit. It was like it was basically like the first onboard powered electronic bullshit, uh, but sounded bad. Uh, I will I will say those things that I just mentioned, almost none of them are present on the new version of this guitar. So it's right. they're act- they look like the Hylotron pickups, single coil, but they are actually humbuckers, and they have removed the uh, the tone boost circuit. They still kept the the cool racing stripe on the uh, pick guard and the uh, truss rod cover on the headstock. And here's what I think might be the coolest thing the the coolest the coolest the coolest thing about this tasty situation. Yep. These guitars are part of the what's called the Streamliner series. That makes them affordable instruments. Right, because they're made in Korea, I believe. I believe they're Korean as well. And they they have sort of uh, updated them in other ways a little bit. So it, the uh, it's a six-inch arch maple body, chambered mahogany center block, so it's not fully hollow. It's got a Bigsby on it, which is dope. And uh, it's got a laurel fingerboard instead of the original rosewood, which is very common these days. They've also added a 12-inch radius fingerboard to make it just a little more playable. 
again, streamliner series, more affordable. What do you think these are going for, Dave? Oh, dude, they're like five hundred bucks or six ninety nine, which yeah. is a heck of a, a heck of a lot of guitar. CME did an awesome demo where uh, it was who was Nathaniel, our good buddy Daniel Esqueriza, and oh, who else? It had one of the other guys from the vintage department. I can't remember who it was now. Crap, I'm sorry, I feel bad. Uh, but all three of them wore racing suits oh cool and, like racing helmets nice. and then did like some playing on them yeah i, I have know. a love-hate relationship with gretch um you know i own one of their ukuleles which you do. i love that ukulele it's it's awesome isn't the don't you isn't your acoustic and my new acoustic, new the acoustic gin Ricky, yeah that you, which that you've melted the plate the uh i took the pickguard off and it looks off, yeah. way better um they're owned by fender mm-hmm. and so you know there's a little bit of quality control there i agree but i will say like the problem is with these vintage. I mean, you had the same problem with the neck. That guitar kind of fucking sucked, dude. I it mean, it, was, it looked cool and sounded it, awesome, and it played good cowboy chords. But you get up the neck, it, it's all a full over. Neck reset. It's not a Gibson. Those guitars, also the uh, the um, the original ones, the um, binding crumbles. Yep. and completely yep. disintegrates. The place I'm going to, um, Rivington Guitars in New York, Heck uh, yeah. on Tuesday. I'll see you guys there. Um, they have a rally green, just like the one mm-hmm. you had on their website, and it's like thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, these guitars aren't worth them unless unless the work's already been done. In right. fact, which is funny because I almost sold my or traded my rally to CME, and they're like, no, nah, we don't. We basically like don't want to deal yeah. with the having to because re- resetting those is a pain. Oh, but. it's you know, it's a thousand dollar job or something like that, or more. So, yeah. Possibly. So the whole point is like. On paper, they're great guitars. I would rather have a reissue because I have a feeling they fixed the neck issue mm-hmm. with the new ones than the old ones. You know, I kind of feel the same. I, the pickups are, are part of the mojo, though. I might want to get an old set of those high lotrons and put do them that. In there. Could swap some old ones in put there because those single coils. And I, in fact, even well, you and I have jammed. I remember back in the day. Mm-hmm. This was even pre-podcast or, or maybe early podcast right days when, when I started, had that. Yeah. We were jamming in the space, and I remember how good that thing sounded. But then, as soon as I went up the next, as soon it was as you go up to the twelve fret, it'll start to get out of tune and stuff. Yeah. That's uh, cool, though. I'm, I'm, I would like to try that. They're very cool guitars. I cannot wait to get my hands on one. I'm gonna po- let's power through. Yeah, yeah, real yeah. Fast, real fast. Walrus Audio, super cool new. Delay pedal came out this week called the Fable. It's a granular soundscape generator, they call it. Basically, what they did was stack two DSP chips in a row. And I I wanted to, I want to read this part because I found it crazy. It's so it like it it's it's a soundscape generator. Like you plug into it, and it was kind of doing what I was having you do with that walrus pedal pedal earlier, mm-hmm. which just like adds a bed of craziness underneath right, what you're right, doing. Right. But I, f- I find this to be this pedal seems to be like that one sound, but pushed really far and a lot more tweakable and usable maybe what's interesting about this one is that it has two dsp chips so you run your guitar signal into it it then runs it through two separate effects in series which you have knobs to control then the signals are then run back through both dsp chips again before going through the output so like it really stacks wild delay granular craziness on mm-hmm. top of each other one after the other over and over again to create these like i the i watched a couple different demos including i've got to say walrus does an incredible job with their demos they, they did a full band demo where right. they put all the different sounds in context with and then showed and you with yeah. drums and then showed you the settings for the pedals that they were using at the time which i think was. i don't awesome. know why more people don't do that it's got bypass and tap up no presets which could be my potential uh bother with this pedal because you you're going to want to create a lot of different sounds with it 299 damn available now 
Walrus is awesome. Uh, you sent this to me. Really cool. Don't have a lot to say about it, but if you're into this sort of thing, it looks awesome. Bergantino came out with a uh, an amp and a pedal sort of deal. Yep, another one. An- another one, and it, all the demos sound amazing. Six ninety nine, super yep. affordable. Bring it to the gig. Great company. Really nice guys. Yep. Shout out to Bergantino. Uh, GFI system. I, you folks might want to do a little more research on this one because I'm not going to get super deep into it. But they came out with this really cool. It's called the, the Duophony, and I wanted to mention here because it's total future gear material. But it's it's one of those pedals, and we've talked about them. I've had them. You've ch- checked them out. You even have similar things where it's like it's a loop pedal where you can sort of like loop in the way, not like a a, la- a loop where you're hearing the same signal over and over, but a loop where you're switching uh, or blending signals together. It's one of those, but it does stuff that I've never seen one do before with like XY controls. And again, Dave and I aren't feeling good. It looks really cool. It's got a rotary touch slider on it that you can put in multiple effects loops in and then control it with your finger almost sort of, almost, almost like a chaos pad kind of deal. Super incredible. Those are available uh, right now. They're in like the three to $400 range. Go check them out if you're into that yeah, sort man. of thing. Uh, this one's funny, and I've got to mention it as a fan of Ola England. Uh, I've, I used to watch his YouTube channel. I don't really so much anymore, but he's known for – he's a Swedish guitar player who uh, started Solar Guitars. He um, has been in a number of famous bands, including At The Gates. His his band was uh, The Haunted and something else. He's, he's pretty well known in the metal okay. world, especially in the YouTube world. In fact, he was the I, I saw him at the NAM that you and I went to together and I took a selfie with him. And that was the only person that I did that with because I was like, <laughs> dude, I, I'm sorry to do this. But like I, I really like your channel. And he's yeah. Like, right on. Man. That's really I remember that. I remember that. he has come. So he has a segment which I guess still exists on his channel called Will It Chug. And he takes all different kinds of pedals, amps, guitars, whatever you name it. And like puts a timer on the screen and, and, and like it's like how long until he can make it chug. Which like is a chug 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 yeah, chug yeah, like yeah. a palm muted cool. you know, chug sound. Fuck yeah. He now has come out with what is called the chug pedal. The chug pedal. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. sort of got That's it. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's um it's designed in that so we've talked about this a lot on this show. It's designed to be like a true preamp instead of mm-hmm. instead of being the type of pedal that you run into the front of another amp, this is the kind of pedal that you would either run to a separate power amp or in the effects loop of an amp and then run directly into it so that you're bypassing the preamp of the amp. Right. Uh, so it's designed again to replace that front end. It doesn't have any cabinet sound, so likes to be plugged into a power amp and you know run out to your cabinet of choice. It can also run into your you know any sort of cabinet uh, IR loader sort of situation with your computer or pedal. However That's you want to do that. It's a great feature. Uh, I will tell you that the pedal does chug. I watched the demos of it. It sounds awesome. What if, does he play? What's his guitar like? Does he use the same guitar for all the demos? Well, so he owns a guitar company called Solar Guitars. So mm-hmm. it was all the... It's like a seven string though or something like that? He does seven and six yeah. in the demo. Uh, but he, I think I, he plays both. He's mostly known as a six string But player. it's some drop tuning like metal. Not necessarily. Really? Like he does... I mean, he does play drop tune stuff. But yeah, he does the whole gamut with it. And, cool. it, and it does the... It does sound like a chug on even a standard tuned guitar. I feel like you just you can do that with your hands though, right? Like some in some ways, but the pedal, you know, it adds. I was just going through this, like I just that's why I bought that EVH head was because I was trying to get the like chug sound right. with a pedal and a and an amp, and I kind of failed. I didn't really hmm. like any of my solutions, which is why ultimately I was like, you know what? I just want to get a high gain amp. Maybe this pedal would have. Damn. Maybe this, if if I had tried this before, Try I would have had to get a whole new freaking amp. Exactly. 
but it also again run into your run it into your the front of your uh, like an interface yeah use a cabinet such emulator, a good feature. do all yeah, that sort of stuff cool. whatever uh 199 not a bad price not a bad price last last thing we're talking about here because i know that you're familiar with it too we're gonna close the show on this buddy all right a new fender signature bass amp came out yeah it did the uh our boy uh clayton our boy adam clayton from u2 has the acb 50 bass amp that was just announced and released by fender this past week i believe right yeah this was funny because it spawned a whole uh discussion of like are there signature bass amps? it sure did we're that's where we're closing this. so the <laughs> amp this amp itself looks like a hot rod yeah which i think cheapens it frankly I think it's kind yeah. of a, I think it's kind of a cheap look when we get to the price. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's and in many ways, I would consider this to be the like the Fender Ampeg flip top. It's like their B15. Sure. In, but in like a more of like a walkable combo tor- sort of. Well, not walkable. because It's probably heavy as shit. It's going to be heavy as shit. So it's got two channels, uh, one sort of more like a vintage kind of channel one sort of designed to be kind of more of a modern sound mm-hmm. it's a combo with a 15 inch speaker uh it, it, just, it is neodymium so that's going to be lighter than right your your standard flip yep. top kind of deal uh volume treble bass for each channel and then uh, the there's a middle knob and a three-way adjuster also available on the first channel which again is pretty much like straight up ampeg flip top territory this is fender's first ever signature bass amp mm-hmm you might have guessed 50 watts of power. It's called the ACB 50. Is that enough to start? Look, uh, in 2023 is a 50 watt tube base. It's amp a 50 watt tube get you amp. It's fine. I mean, you know, I play through a V4B at the practice space, you which do? is a hundred watt yeah. base tube amp. And uh, that's a head through. I run it through a 15 inch cab. What kind of cab did they say? Is it's, it a f- it's a combo with a 15 inch neodymium. It's a 15 speaker. inch. Yep. Yeah. Just I mean, like a flip top. No. I mean, the answer is. Look, if you really want to compete with like a real drummer, you're gonna to have to start turning it up, and then it's gonna start overdriving, it's gonna, it's and you're gain. not, yeah, and you're not Which really is, gonna get there. If you watch the demo that Adam Clayton does, he talks about that how this amp, like, he he plays with a grindy mid range, like he sure. likes an overdriven bass sound. But if you're gonna, my, I think your point and and where it's I it's not alive. You're gonna to need to supplement this with a second clean loud bass amp a hundred percent it's not going to have that pillowy bottom end that you know that's going to fill the room and shake the walls um and i think it's a great recording amp. you know i think it'd be great for recording or live if you can mic it and and then also have a second bass rig right to give you like maybe even solid state like with a ton of that like clean power yeah especially for the price so let's get there yeah we're talking 2200 bucks 21.99 oof I think it's, it's a lot of money, dude. I think it's cool. I think Fender's going to sell like four of them. Yeah, I don't think they're going to sell know, a lot of I those. think it's an interesting idea. They, their first bass combo in 40, or signature bass combo in 40, or I should say, first ever signature bass amp, first tube bass combo in 40 years. It does Adam Clayton. I, th- I thought the video was kind of, I felt a little cheesy watching him play those bass riffs. I don't know. There, well, I felt like the strange. And I still haven't found. Right, little uh, Sunday bloody. Sunday. It was. I don't. Some of it just felt. A, yeah, that felt a little strange. Oh, to me. New Year's Day. Which I love that record actually. I just. I don't know. Maybe we're just being crabbers, but I don't. Uh, I, I just feel like it's kind of goofy. And it I don't reminds really totally me of. It. It, look, man. I mean, I think if anybody knows something, you can get a lot more bang for your buck. And I'm not even talking volume, but I'm talking. 
even if you wanted a really good sounding recording amp, you could get that, a real '60s flip top, right? All day for twenty two hundred, right? Less yeah, than that, probably. An, you can get an, uh, an orange eighty two hundred for the same less than that used. Look, so I you get a much more versatile rig. I think the people way. who are going to buy that are like somebody who doesn't really know. They're like, I've just got a bunch of money to spend. And they're, I'm a big U2 fan, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, the Adam Clayton signature is like kind of weird. I think for that market, though, maybe it is. If you're only going to play at bedroom levels, you're not going to get the loud grind. So, like, maybe I guess as like the world's most expensive practice amp, it's that's, fine for that's that. That's what it is, which I've also played bass through at Princeton. And it sounds great too. Or your your AC. My box at home sounds awesome. Absolutely. With so the point is, like, what are we, what are we doing here? Yes. I think yeah, you're you're making this for U two fans. If you asked, if you asked ten people who the bass player of U two was, and they weren't like major U two fans, ten people off the Nobody street could tell you. Two people would probably be able to maybe. There was an episode when I mistook him for Sting himself. I was <laughs> he like, looks oh, like yeah, Sting. Adam Clayton. Yeah. And handsome the, guy. the bass player in the police you like what are you fucking talking yeah. about he's in you too yeah either way it sounds great the demo was awesome it's a signature bass amp and right. that in itself is strange that's a, that's a rare bird yeah and so dave and i got to talking about this and i have a little bit of list and this is where we're going to close this episode let's today. do it we've got a short list of what we could come up with as a signature bass amp so let me start by saying that if we missed any that you y'all know about let please us know. let us know because yeah. i would like to complete this list but we only can't I, I don't know we'll have to come up with an actual number at the yeah. end but let's see i've got one i think one two three four five six i could find six signature base amps like full on like if amps. you googled it doing some research right I also found, and we'll get to the, maybe we'll start with these, because we also, there are some preamps, or some signature preamps out there. Sure. there. In fact, there are a number of those, but the the most, I think, probably popular, famous ones are the Getty Lee and Billy Sheehan. The preamps. Preamps. Yeah. Steve Harris has one, too, I believe. Steve, exact, that was exactly what I was trying to come up with in my brain. I didn't yep. have it written down on here, because also Tech 21 has that. Which, I wouldn't one. be surprised if the Getty and the Steve Harris one were almost identical like circuits. they're the same like footprint they have they also have that clangy like ding 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 so you gotta like, you gotta i mean you have you the clang the langs dude okay so let's let's make our way down the list the first one that i thought of when i was thinking about this was lemmy yes lemmy had that signature marshall which was giant size and it was like a four by 15 cabinet yeah and it's like a 200 it. watt head or something it like was that. very loud very yeah. tube very distorted and which is so. also like a rare signature amp like it's hard to find those I only I was at, I happened to be at an, a Nam many years ago when yeah. those were coming out, so that was that's yeah. the only time I've ever actually seen them. That many of them. Probably not. Now, Mark Base has gone pretty hard on offering signature <laughs> bass amps. They're the jazz boys, dude. Because you've got Stu Ham, you got Randy Jackson, Hell and you yeah. got Marcus Miller. You pointed those ones mm-hmm. out to me. So there are three Mark Base signature bass amps: Solid State, I think, maybe all of them. Does Mark Base only do? Did they do any two power amps? I know they do two yeah, preamps. They did one, three hundred watt tube. Like, oh, they did. It's almost like the like uh, SPT? SPT. Yeah. Okay. They're very rare, and man, for a while I was watching one that was like under a thousand bucks. I should just buy this thing just to like check it out. Your Mark Base boy didn't buy it though. So that's four. Yep. And we found two more, also made by a, a different, but you know, two from the same manufacturer, being Ashdown. Right. And they have the. First that I found, which I yeah. think is funny, the Shavo Odajian uh, signature system amp, who, if you don't know, System of a Down, yeah. 
wild. The his ball name is like do, right across. It says Shavo in big letters, and that's a tube amp. I bet that thing sounds rad. I bet it does too, yeah. and it was expensive. And uh, Geezer Butler, yes, head of Doom, which is kind of funny to me because Geezer Butler himself will say that he was very unhappy with a lot of the bass tone that. Black Sabbath recorded, so I thought that yeah. was kind of So cool. maybe now he fixed it with this new... Because, right. I mean, it's a newer head. Hey, if you know what you don't like, down. you can make something you like. That's six. Did we talk about... The okay, so seven, including Adam Clayton. And Deep Purple. Uh, the bass player for Deep Purple has an orange combo that is purple. Oh, my God. 50 watt. so right. I forget his name right now. It escapes that me. That came out not that long ago either. Yeah, okay, so that's years eight. Old. And so that's, that's a, eight signature bass amps. So here's my point. That thing is like... 400 bucks or something that yeah that was not that wasn't like that dude's not taking that shit on stage no it's it's a it's a it's a it's the a size of that combo. roland right there. exactly yeah which i'm like if i'm recording if i'm gonna get that or like the two thousand dollar adam clay i mean i don't know dude i don't know who they're gonna sell that thing to it's the the signature base amp market is a strange one yeah it is and the base world is out there there's a lot of lot of signature base pedals uh, signature boutique bases themselves out the wazoo dude you know what it amps? is we're wild dogs dude we don't need like we don't need a signature man or all of you just play fucking direct with <laughs> That's the di thing. boxes anyway right like i like to feel the wind behind my legs you when like i to flap your pants i like to flap those skinny jeans flapping in the in the big bass rig i you know a lot of guys just go we get the class d head go up on stage direct in little give Gens me some Benz. monitor little gens benz little mark bass Set me up, dude. So it's it's a it's a funny. I mean, but like, okay, let's let's just open this up a little. I know you want to wrap it up in a second. We're getting here. there. Signature guitar amps. I mean, what are mm-hmm. we talking? You know, do you have a favorite? Are the, can you list like five off the top? Well, of your I happen head? to own one. Well, right that's there. A, that's a company. Yeah, but those were all that okay. company came out of. These are the amps that he uses. We're talking so, about EVH. Eddie Van Halen. But let's talk about like signature amps that were from another company that like, can you list a few? I see. I can't really think of it. Sure. Marshall did all sorts of slash okay. Clapton, Jobo, um, Kerry uh, K- King from Slayer. Jeez. Uh, oh, I mean, I, there are, there's gotta be so many. Anybody else? Um, let's, let me think about that. Did, um, like Mason ever do it? There was, um, I mean, there's been signi- oh well, Dave Mustaine, he had he did stuff with Marshall. He also did stuff stuff with Crate at one point. Oh yeah. Um, d- even new players, Jared James Nichols, that dude has a signature Black Star amp. There's a bunch okay. of signature Black Star. Let's see, f- signature Fender guitar amps. Um, also Clapton, also Jobo. Chris Singleton, we talked, or yeah, Stapleton. Chris Stapleton, we talked about. That's him. right. He just has the. That's, well, that's that was the his Princeton. He has, that, he has a signature. Princeton is that his too. Princeton too? Yep. Wow, that what which I played and it sounds great. Yeah. Who else do we? I mean, they're they're who are? I'm just trying to even think of other like their signature orange. Does anyone have their names printed on the front of it? Oh, um, Marcus King has the orange. You're right. We talked about the that. And it's super expensive from the custom shop, and it's it has like, like one, a one big knob giant knob on there. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that I don't dude know. has an extraordinarily beautiful wife. I happened to see Marcus something. Right. He got married recently, and he's got it's like some songwriter, As he should. country wife. She is stunning. He is hands down one. Of, I think one of my favorite guitar players to watch. He's very good, very good. But sing, you're right, singer amps in themselves, not as much of a thing. Yeah, I think in general, way more guitar amps out there. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, have I ever owned? I'm, I'm trying to think if yeah, I've ever had another ever? one other than the EVH. Probably not. I don't think so. And I'm sure we've talked about. It. I mean, have you had a signature guitar? Dude, Les Paul doesn't count. Just Les Paul. Come but on. I've also had the signature Mike Mushock PRS That's baritone right. from Stained. Fuck. That guitar was so good, but you know, kind of wish you still had it because I want to fiddle around. You want to play some stained riffs? I do. I had a Getty Lee jazz bass. That was a great, did. great bass. By the way, if you're looking for like a really good intermediate level to professional level jazz bass that'll take you anywhere you want to go for like 800 bucks, you can find one of those used. Back in 2010, you could for no. 800. Oh, 100%. really? Yeah, easily. And they now they make them in Mexico and they're like 1200. Yeah, get the Japanese, Japanese made ones. 2008, 98 to 2008. That's the year. That rhymes. Yep. Doing crimes. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. We've had a lot of fun. It's time to wrap this up because your buddies aren't feeling so great this week. We still we packed in a bit of beef here. We did. And we made through a bunch of gear and I can finally clear a lot of this shit off the <laughs> off the freaking off, the, off the, the outline. We can start fresh next week. But that'll be nice, man. Enjoy New York. Thank you, brother. Hopefully we're both completely fixed and healthy the next time you see yep. us. And uh love you, buddy. I love you too, man. If you made it this far, if you made it all the way here to this here end of the episode. Why don't you go make some music?